So today, we are going to be in Psalm 100. So if we could pick a word that would be the theme of this week, can you guess? It's praise. This is something, this is a privilege that we get to do. This is something that we are commanded to do in Scripture. This is going to be Psalm 100 that we'll be reading out of today. I'm going to go ahead and read it, and we'll open up in a word of prayer. So Psalm 100, the text reads, A psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we have together. Lord, we thank you that you are a God that is worthy to be praised and that you give us the joyful command to go and offer you thanksgiving and praise. And it's in Jesus' name that I ask these things. Amen. One of the things that's difficult, uh, that I struggle with a lot, and this would be an interesting start, is I have a real hard time when people want to sing to me happy birthday on my birthday. One of the reasons why is because when people are singing about me, I keep thinking, I didn't do anything that day. All I did was exist. If anybody should be praised or sung to, it should be my mom. She had a much more eventful day that day. I recognize that I really don't deserve the song. But when we turn here to praise, when we turn here to Psalm 100, we have a subject, a person, a being, who is infinitely worthy of song, infinitely worthy of praise and celebration. And we can take a look at this when, right here in verse 1, make a joyful noise to the Lord. For many people, they have used this verse to justify singing loudly with their terrible voice like I have. But this is one of these verses where he refers to a joyful noise to all the earth. We could translate this as create great fanfare for our king. The king, the ruler of all the earth, is what it means when it says a joyful noise. To worship him, because he is our king. We find in these first few verses, kind of, there's, there's two halves to this, kind of verses 1 through 3, then 4 and 5. We see God is worthy of celebration because of who he is. Verse 1, we see he's our king. And that he's worthy of service. It says, serve the Lord with gladness and come into his presence with singing. In this context, serve would be talking about worship. Indeed, we could use this word serve and worship in the same sense, the same meaning. And that when we come in here to worship, when we gather here on Sunday morning, there's more going on, or there should be more going on, than just us sitting in a room that us offering up our service, uh, us offering up our, our worship to God is serving him, showing that he's worthy of praise. That's why we shouldn't neglect coming here. That's why we, we don't want to put off coming to public worship, 
Because this is an opportunity to serve our God. And verse 3, it continues with that. It says, know that the Lord, he is God. And why do we serve him? It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now, if the psalm stopped right there, we would have enough reason to praise and be here. He's our God. He created us. It would seem like that would be the least that we would owe him. He's given our existence, and he's given us our lives. And more than that, he cares for us. He gives us our daily needs. He's not just kind of set us up at the starting line, set us up at go, and said, all right, carry on the rest of the way. Good luck. That's not who our God is. Our God is a caring and loving Father who makes sure that all of our needs are are met. But it goes even further than that. We could worship him just because of who he is in much the same way that we will have the saying that, you know, I love my family, but sometimes I don't like them all that much. We know that we we, we need to love Uncle Ernie because he's our uncle. Even if he misbehaves, it's like, well, we still want to honor him because he's still part of our family. If it stopped in verse 3, we could do that with God. But it doesn't. It continues into verses 4 and 5 to show that not only is he worthy of celebration and worship and service because of who he is, being God and creating us and providing for all our needs, but he is worthy of celebration because of what he's done, his acts. Notice here in verse 4 when it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. What does this mean, to bless his name? When we talk about a name, when we talk about a family name, we're talking about a reputation. God has earned a name through what he's done. Not only because he's God, but because he has cared for all of his people. Indeed, we're studying through the book of Exodus, and we're seeing how he has provided miraculously for his people who have been oppressed. And it's only going to get more amazing as we get deeper and deeper into the book that he provides for them out in the desert, food and water, even down to their menu options that they choose. He provides and has served. But it gets even better here in verse 5. This is where I want to kind of camp for a little bit. He gives us kind of three attributes of God, the psalmist. Verse 5, he says, For the Lord is good. When we think about goodness, what we should be thinking about is all the things that make life worthwhile. All the things that make life worth living. That's what's good. Our children, our spouses, good food, a lovely sunset. Everything that's good and right about the world, God has created. And it's something we don't praise him enough for. It's something we take for granted. But this is what he is. But we see that even more in contrast when we ask this question of ourselves. God is good, but we are not. The wars that God causes to cease from the ends of the earth, as it says in Psalm 46, are the wars that we started The bows and the spears that he shatters and breaks are the ones that we created. Everything that's wrong with the world can ultimately be traced back in some way, shape, or form to our own heart. 
And yet here in this next verse, it says his steadfast love endures forever. The word that he uses here for love means a loyal love, a steadfast love, a love that no matter what happens, no matter what conditions occur, is still there. Even when his people were put into exile, he was still caring for them. Even though we have had, as it says later on in, later on in, in Scripture, that we are, we are born in enmity towards God, when we had steadfast hate, God continues to show us steadfast love. And then he says, and his faithfulness to all generations, that in picking up kind of the same idea of, of it enduring forever, it's faithfulness to all generations. This is one of those phrases we can kind of quickly skip past because we're kind of at the, at the end of the psalm. But one of the, I think this captures and makes the Bible so much more alive to us. Because the same God that was faithful to a nobody idol maker from Ur, his name is Abraham, who he gave promises to this elderly person and said, I'm going to make you a great nation. And then by the end of Genesis, we see that his family has grown from one or two people to 70 people and has grown that 70 people to be one of the most important groups of people that the world had ever seen. The God who is faithful to Abraham's generation is faithful to yours too. All the way through Scripture, he's been faithful to them, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Paul. Is the same God who's being faithful to us. We can claim that lineage. We can claim the rest of the Bible because that's the same God that was faithful there and is faithful now. Now, that's as much as the psalmist could have imagined. That's as far of redemptive history as had gone by. He remembers the stories that his father would tell about the parting of the Red Sea and providing in, in the desert and building up with this great nation. And that was a lot that he could rejoice in. There was a lot of faithfulness that David could praise for. But we who stand on the other side of the book, who are on the other side of the New, of the New Testament, we can come back to this psalm and we can see it, it takes on so much more. When we talk about that the Lord is good, he is so good that he's willing to step into our world that has everything wrong with it and put everything right. A God who is so good, who's willing to take on all our evil and give all of his good back to us. This was a promise that was thousands of years in the making. That's a faithfulness to generations. That's a faithfulness to us. And he continues to be faithful to us even after the cross. He still is enduring forever. And that love, this unconditional love that Jesus shows to his people and to us. When not a week before he was crucified, everyone was saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And a week later, the Hosannas turn into a crucify him. That's some loyal love. That is something that endures. And that is someone who is worthy of praise. And that singing doesn't stop in the Psalms. In fact, we have yet another piece of scripture. While we look back to the Psalms, we look forward to Revelation. 
to a time yet unrevealed in Revelation 4 and 5. When we see all of heaven crying out to Christ. And who says, worthy is the lamb who was slain in Revelation 5. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then John says, he's an eyewitness here in the future. He says, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, fulfilling this thing in Psalm 100, all the earth coming to praise. And they're saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And all creatures falling down and saying amen, meaning it is true. Let it be. This is the being who's worthy of praise. This is why we're here. So when we come and we offer our praise to God, we know there is nobody else in the universe that we can praise with more gusto, with more gladness. I've heard some pretty rousing happy birthday themes in my life, but there is no one who has been worth celebrating more than Christ. We can sing our respective college football fight songs with great gusto. But there is no college team that's worthy of praise like our Savior is. So that's why when it says in the psalm to serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with thanksgiving and singing, that's something we as humans do when we're really happy. How do we get that happiness? Think about what's been done. Think about how God has been faithful to your generation. How God has shown steadfast love, enduring love, loyal love to you sitting in the pew right here in Bruton, Alabama. Has shown you steadfast love. That should motivate us to praise and to serve him. And we realize nothing else even comes close. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we praise you. Lord Christ, we give glory. We thank you for your faithfulness that you have shown us to every generation. Lord, we know that you are God. We have full assurance of your character. Lord, I pray that we would, help, that we would be helped to remember this that we would be able to lift up our heads from our own concerns, our own worries, our own issues. And I ask that we would turn and to see you in glory, that we would lift up our hearts to you and that we would praise you with gusto. I pray as we go about this week that we would serve gladly, that we would worship you and that we would worship you in that service. And it's in Jesus' name that I ask these things. Amen.